Hello again, Nightmare Society. I thought this week I would do some stories set in the woods. Being stranded. Being in the middle of nowhere with someone dangerous. You know, the stuff of nature's nightmares. I'm going to be going on a short trip to the woods soon, so I thought this might be fitting. A big thanks to our producers for this week's episode. Danielle, Ginger, Mike, Cat OJ, Devin, Savannah, Pixel Donut, Janelle, Michelle, Diane, Joy, Josh, Shorty, Lauren, Rebecca, Araceli, Kailani Hawaii, Obese J, Katie, Rory, Kaylee, Bradley, and I'd like to welcome our newest member, Beth. If you're interested in joining the official Nightmare Society campfire online, you can find us on patreon.com slash nightmare society. It's a way you can show support for the podcast, or if you're just interested in bonus episodes, early access, and other creepy things I come across, that's where all of that is housed. There are also a few tiers, so you can choose from any of them starting at a dollar a month. A big thanks goes to user Rice After Dark and user Windy City 13 for sharing their stories with us. And just in case some of you aren't aware, the Nightmare Society podcast can be found pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts, as well as YouTube. Today is episode 75, and there's a new episode each Thursday, so if you're missing episodes or can't find them, particularly on Spotify, Try searching for the podcast again and try to find our official page where all the episodes reside. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out via email or on Instagram at Nightmare Society Radio. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. This story takes place on a road, but it is in the wilderness as it's a very, very rural area with few to no houses around. I want to clarify that this did in fact happen to me. I hope you enjoy. This incident happened to me when I was younger, probably around 19 to 20. I'm going on 28 now. I used to drive around the countryside for hours on end, sometimes up to six hours even, and smoke cigarettes while listening to music and just daydreaming. I had been through a lot, so this was my way of letting off steam and trying to digest all the badness that had happened to me in the past seven years. There's a route that goes into the southern part of my state and eventually takes you to Maryland. If I'm not mistaken, if you keep going along it, it'll take you all the way to Florida. It was a road I was very fond of, as it intersected with a lot of interesting places. It could take you to cities and beaches alike, all while somehow remaining pretty isolated and rural. One of these day trips, I was driving through a heavily wooded area that opened up to a field lined with trees on my left. I was pretty zoned out at this point, 
but something on the side of the road immediately caught my attention. In fact, it even seemed that time slowed so that I could see this apparition with more vivid detail than any random artifact I would ever glance at lying off the roadside. What I saw was an older, balding man dressed in full Catholic priest's garb. His mouth was opened in what appeared to be grief, staring up at the sky through large glasses. He was standing in front of a dead deer. A buck, from what I recall, it was around three points, maybe four. Behind the deer was a 1970s Crown Vic style police car, without its lights on. It had no markings on it whatsoever to signify what county it was from, and no one was in the vehicle. I don't even think it had the engine running. Now, this is pure speculation, but it almost appeared as if the vehicle had been parked there for a day or so, because it was so sedentary. The other odd thing about this vehicle is that it had no damage on its front end to show that it was responsible for hitting the dead deer. Nor did this deer seem all that mangled or bloody. Taking a step back and rehashing this scene as a whole, it had the appearance of being staged, or set up somehow, as if it were all props in a play or a movie. Every part was so odd and so still. For the speed I was traveling at, the glance I cast on this spectacle could have only lasted for about three seconds maximum, but the moment seemed to be quadruple that amount, and its impression was so dense it grabbed every part of my being and seemed to cut through me like a knife. Just like bad news. Really bad news. I was gasping for air and almost crying. Had I seen some sort of ghost? Was it a warning from a deity unaware to me? Did the forces that shape time and space momentarily flex in this rural corner of Virginia, and I just so happened to be its only witness? Even passing the same spot on my return from this trip, there was no other trace of it that remained. Not even the body of the deer or tire tracks from the police car could be seen. Like a breeze, a waking dream had crossed my vision. A thing so out of place it could not be surrounded by any setting native to its own themes. I had no answers to any of these questions. Only a lack of closure leaving its scar upon my brain for the rest of my life. A couple of summers ago, my girlfriend and I were camping in the Chiquamanon National Forest in northern Wisconsin. And after our experience, we don't plan to return unless we go with a large group of people. My girlfriend and I are from Chicago, so northern Wisconsin was our place to go for R&R. We've done a number of hiking trips in northern Wisconsin and in the UP but never to this area. We're not backpacking experts, but we have been to a number of national parks and have been out hiking and exploring when we can find time away from work. 
We love getting away from people and relaxing in nature. But this trip made us appreciate the presence of other people around us in unfamiliar places. Our plan was to hike a remote section of the North Country Trail. The North Country Trail is a national scenic trail, like the Appalachian Trail, but it gets much less use. In some parts of northern Wisconsin the trail is very remote, and the only access is via logging roads. We planned to hike like 15 miles along the trail to a backpack shelter, spend the night, and hike back to the car the following day. We spent the night at a friend's house in Wausau, and we set out early the next day to the trailhead. As we entered the national forest boundary, we were captivated by the beauty of the thick green forests. I drove slowly along the gravel logging roads as we made our way to the parking spot. While we were driving to the trailhead, we passed a couple of people standing next to a parked truck on the side of the road. They appeared to be... hillbillies, as they had a rusted out, banged up pickup truck, complete with confederate bumper stickers. As we drove past, I waved and they stared back without returning the greeting. Friendly people, I thought to myself. After we passed them, I looked in the rearview mirror and noticed they were still staring at us. And before we rounded the bend, I glanced back into the mirror again and saw them watching us through the haze of road dust. My girlfriend and I joked about the up north people, but we didn't think anything of the encounter. Aside from those people, we did not encounter anyone else on the remote logging roads within the National Forest boundary. We found the trailhead about 15 minutes later, after winding our way on the narrow logging road. There was no one else parked at the trailhead, a perfect chance to get some needed solitude, fresh air, and relaxation. After parking and making sure the car was locked, we hosted our packs and set off on the trail. The weather was relatively cool, which thankfully kept the mosquitoes and biting flies at bay. We took pictures along the way, and we marveled at the lushness of the forest and the topography of the glacial moraine. After a solid eight hours of hiking, we found our campsite. It consisted of a wooden backpack shelter and a fire rink. Even though the shelter provided ample space for us, we opted to set our tent in a small clearing about a hundred feet behind the shelter. We built a fire at the shelter firing and I boiled water for our dehydrated trail food. As we ate, we watched the sky slowly turn dark. My girlfriend and I passed around a Nalgene filled with wine, and we marveled at how many stars you could see away from the city. When the fire was reduced to a small pile of glowing embers, we decided to head back to the tent. We settled into our tent and looked through the pictures we took that day. But after lugging a heavy pack for 15 miles and drinking some wine, I was ready for some shut-eye. When we camped at state and national parks, I usually wore earplugs. But that night there were no RVs or other campers to make noise. So I closed my eyes and let the noise of the forest lull me to sleep. 
My girlfriend was very uneasy that night, but she normally had some apprehension whenever we were sleeping away from home. I'm not sure when we drifted to sleep, but we awoke to a bone-chilling noise. It was pitch dark outside, and over the insects in the forest I heard a dull thud. It sounded like someone was hitting two logs together. My girlfriend and I were wide awake at this point, and we lay silently in our tent hearing the noise again. Our old tent had mesh windows, but the backpacking tent we were using had no window. We could only guess at what was making the noise outside our tent. We initially thought that an animal guided our food and garbage bag, which we left in the shelter. But the noise was too distinct, and it didn't sound like rustling through food wrappers or our camp equipment. Our hearts were pounding as we heard the persistent knock in the darkness. Unarmed and scared to death, we didn't know what to do. I normally would have carried a can of bear spray, but I decided to leave it at home to save on weight, against the wishes of my girlfriend. The knocking continued, but we remained still as to not give away our location. For all we knew, whatever was making the noise had already spotted our tent. After what seemed like an eternity, the knocking sounds ceased. We lay in complete silence with only the dull buzz of the insects in the background. Then we heard it. Leaves rustling. A branch breaking. Voices. We heard low talking in the distance. We couldn't make out what was being said, but it sounded like a couple of people talking in the distance. The voices continued for a bit, but to our relief, the voices didn't seem to be getting any louder. Whoever was out there did not spot the tent or decided to leave us alone. We sat in our tent for the rest of the night, adrenaline surging through our veins. At the first light, we slowly got out of our tent. I looked around in all directions to see if anyone was out there, but I only saw the forest and the backpack shelter. We quickly rolled up our sleeping bags and camp pads and put our tent away. When we got to the shelter, my girlfriend screamed in horror. On the entrance to the shelter, the wood was freshly cut. The word kill was cut into the shelter wall and there were a number of axe and knife cuts where someone was chopping at the wall. I looked at the ground and saw a scattering of fresh wood splinters. After grabbing our food supply and garbage bag, we got the heck out of there. We were nearly jogging with our gear as we made our way back to the car. I kept glancing back over my shoulder and gazing out through the woods to see if anyone was following us. We traversed the glacial eskers that we saw the day before, and we knew we were getting closer to our car. We were quietly rejoicing as we neared the trailhead. We made it back to the trailhead in near record time, but something was wrong. The windshield wiper on my car was sticking straight up, and there was something stuck to the wiper. As we inched closer to the car, I saw there was blood smeared on the windshield and a squirrel carcass was impaled on the wiper blade. Hair and blood still stuck to the wiper and on the hood of the car. I didn't bother cleaning off the car. We threw our gear in the trunk and I sped off without removing the animal from the wiper blade. <laughs> 
As I sped down the gravel logging road, I kept glancing in the rearview mirror, but I couldn't see anything through the cloud of road dust behind the car. When we got to a gas station by the nearest town, I removed the carcass with a wad of newspaper, and I tried to remove as much dried blood as I could. I filled up on gas and we didn't stop until we made it to Milwaukee. This was the last trip I took to the woods of northern Wisconsin. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at Nightmare Society Radio. We've been doing some fun Would You Rather games on our story lately. We did forget last Friday, but we're going to pick it back up again this Friday. Also, there's a store where you can purchase merch if you would like. The link will be in the description. And if you're interested in joining the online campfire, it's at patreon.com slash nightmare society. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.